Hello, welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother Best Album of the Millennium So Far competition. Yesterday's uh, head-to-heads were really uh, difficult, and, and um, a lot of decisions were, uh, were you know, a lot of gnashing of teeth um, going into the decision-making. and Some this elbows uh, being thrown. Yeah, second day doesn't, doesn't look a hell of a lot easier, but uh, it starts off with one that I think is pretty easy for uh, the bulk of us, um, and that's uh, number one versus number 16 seed again, which is number one being LCD Sound System, Sound of Silver, uh, versus number 16 seed, Outcast Stankonia. And um, I think the, uh, you know, the sort of... Uh, Epilogue for for um, Outcast because I think all three of us are, are leaning towards LCD sound system sound of silver, and that is that uh, I think Jer, you know, I mean, is of the opinion that Outcast put out their best stuff in the late '90s. Um, yeah, I'm a I, huge Aquemini and Atlians fan. I like Stankonia. It certainly was their biggest album and their most successful album <clears throat> to date when it came out. And has you know, sorry, Miss Jackson, bombs over Baghdad. I mean, it's a, it's a force. But I, I mean, Aquemini is sort of their perfect album, and Atlians to me is the album that really kind of defined their, their sound. Um, and I think Sound of Silver is just you know, it's it's likewise, it's really where LCD kind of became the LCD that that I love. I mean, I, the first album is great too, and we'll talk about that one later. But. Um, you know, this is the one that I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is the band that you know I, I wasn't sure they could become. So, it's uh, I think Stinkonia is, is definitely the most commercial successful Outcast album when it came out. But I think that uh, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my uh, my um, weight towards LCD Sound of Silver. Yeah, I think again, Stinkonia. I think the the prior albums for Outcast were more cohesive and they sounded like they were together and this is the first one where you see the sort of separation of the two distinct personalities and and um it served them very well on a few singles as you mentioned bombs over bombs over baghdad's nuts um so fresh and so clean miss yeah. jackson i mean those are those are They're great huge phenomenal songs, songs yeah. yeah but uh i still think this was the part where they you know where you saw the seams a little bit between the two um, principal guys, and um, you know that was further, uh, you know, witnessed later on when they did basically two solo albums and packaged them as a as a double album for Outcast. So anyway, I think it's safe to say LCD Sound of the Silver, which we will talk about at length at a, on a later uh, as it advances going forward. But uh, that that uh, I think it's a unanimous vote. Sound of Silver. Next up. Number is it, these are these eight nine uh, that are supposed to be very difficult, but I'm not 100 percent sure this one is as difficult for you guys. Um, it's number eight is TV on the radio's Dear Science, and number nine is Chance the Rapper's Coloring Book. Uh, interestingly, TV on the radio outranks uh, Chance the Rapper in this one. But I, you guys give me a little bit about Coloring Book, and I'll give you a little bit about Dear Science. Yeah, I mean, I think post Acid Rap, you know, Chance. This is Chance's kind of again, you know putting out albums on his own, but just has that sort of huge mix of, of gospel, hip-hop, singing, positivity. Um, I forget who said it. I, I think, you know, uh, either it was a quote or something that came from one of you guys about rap your mom mom can would love and uh, in a good way. And I think Chance, you know, in this album in particular, when I heard it, it just made me happy. It's, it's a very, like, 
positive. you know, positive, happy rap record, and with a guy who's really done things his own way and, and has stayed pretty true and independent. Um, you know, has not signed a record contract, has self-released his, his records, and and is huge. I mean, this this album blew Chance the fuck up. So um, I, I'm a TV on the radio fan. All of their stuff kind of blends together for me. I, I really like them. But I, I can't really differentiate album from album that much, so I'll let you guys uh, hit on that one if you want to, or if you want to continue on Chance, Christian, go I, ahead. I really yeah, like... Just, go ahead. Oh, no, I just mentioned, I mean, I, I think that, that I see, um, you know, Chance the Rapper as, as um, the sort of optimistic, joyful voice and uh, yin to Vince Staples' pessimistic, biting, um, you know, gritty uh, yang. And, you know, I, I think that he's brought a sort of gospel quality to his rap music that, like, you just haven't, I mean, you just haven't experienced um, in in quite some time. Um, and, you know, on top of that, he's, he's a pretty extraordinary MC. Um, so uh, everything that he's doing here, I think, um, you know, commercially as well, releasing mixtapes um, and, and sort of bucking the, uh, the album... Um, and label model uh, is is also you know worthy of mention and and I think that this being his his sort of biggest success to date his his sort of most ambitious and like complete work from an orchestral perspective instrumentally all of that um, you know I, I think this one deserves to move on yeah and just a, as a um, I think I'm going to be outvoted on this one I, I really like the TV on the radio album but not something I'm going to go to the mat for be- so much because TV on the radio has always seemed like the band that has the component parts that doesn't put it all together and and by saying that I don't mean in, in songs I think their songs are are very good I think this album was a step forward from them um, you know where but there kept being singles on the previous albums Return from Cookie Mountain and um, staring you know, at the sun on, yeah, yeah on, and you know Wolf Like Me and these songs that just showed, you know, I was like, wow, these guys could be the biggest band going. And there always just seemed to be, um, you know, whether in the same way that I feel about the Walkmen or, um, you know, other bands where, you know, you hit these dynamic peaks, like, you know, like um, Golden Age, for instance, on Dear Science. Um, and there's just too much of the sort of, to, to, and the Nationals, another one like this for me, where when you hear their, their dynamic peaks, their singles, you wonder why there's so much filler on these albums. Um, in the case of Dear Science, it's the one, I, I believe it's the one with the least uh, filler. Uh, and when I say filler, I don't mean necessarily, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love those, but it's a sort of uh, reliance on their, on their mid-tempo stuff when they're upbeat, more um, you know sort of kinetic stuff is better and that's how that's where I sort of lop them in with uh, the Walkman and, and the National and and this sort of you know return consistently to um, you know the mid-tempo stuff that, that you know sort of blends together to me sometimes but anyway Chance the Rapper's moving on in an, um, an upset a weird upset yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it's weird seems up, like yeah. a powerhouse anyway or as I like to call him uh, future senator Chance the rapper, future center and future Oscar winner. Next up is number five seed, The Killers, Hot Fuss, versus number 12 seed of Montreal, Hissing Fauna, You Are the Destroyer. All right, All right I'll kick this off with Hot Fuss. Um, I'll go to bed for The Killers. I think this is one of the, I mean, well, 
I think this is one of the best albums of the last, uh, you know, last 18 years. Um, Mr. Brightside, somebody told me all these things that I've done, Smile Like You Mean It, were mega hits. Um, they broke out of the somewhat more limited orbit of some of the other bands that were sort of leading the indie rock, um, you know, garage rock revival uh, of that period. And I'm talking about bands like The Strokes and Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. I mean, um, you know, even though they aren't necessarily that similar from a genre perspective, it's that sort of new wavy um, post-punk, you know, like they're looking back on the 80s as, as their sort of main, you know, reference points. Um, and, and I think that these guys did that but they did it with like what I can only describe as like a very you know uh, sort of like blue collar hard working um, uh, like arena sized ambition I mean they were from the get go they, they wanted to sell out MSG and they thought they could um, and you kind of have to think that you can in order to do it um, and I'm not sure that that uh, every other band in, in the genre at that time was was as um, you know had the same kind of conviction. I think you know Brandon Flowers is a, a hell of a frontman, um, and uh, these guys these guys deserve to move on. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I I do love. I think this is the absolute peak of Montreal album. Um, it's got some really amazing songs on it. Um, the titles, you know, I can tell you the the, the titles are what, the, what I think the titles should be from the choruses from the songs, <laughs> but uh, I can't tell you what the actual titles are. It's like Helm's Gate, you are the, you know, I don't know. Everything sounds Helm's like Helm's Gate, a, like a Promethean curse. Yeah, um, everything has basically about, the other song titles are about as long as, as you know, the, um, you know, the, the, Warnings for prescription drugs and the and you know television ads. Um, I, I one time had to write an art. I had to write a review of theirs, well, and I it, just they, couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to you know. Autocorrect is the yeah. enemy of this band. Fabergé um, falls for Shuggy. What the fuck does that mean? Um, exactly. But yeah. So. But the Come On Chemicals song yeah, is awesome. So good. And, <laughs> Victims of Fashion. uh, Victims for Fashion is a great song. Um, You know, again, they are. Kevin Barnes rocks. He's a good songwriter. He's insanely prolific. And where's his pretension on his sleeve? You know, I mean, they they are pretentious, and and you know that's part of their charm. On on the sleeve of his homemade costume, Um, and I think that yeah, no, I mean these guys, uh, they're. Uh, by the way, anybody anybody who gets a chance to see this band live, go do it. Just yeah, trust fun. us. Go Lobster fucking outfits, do it. I don't care belts. whether you hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's it's nuts. It's like, um, yeah, no. It's like a psychedelic, uh, like you know, nineteenth century Victorian ball or something. I think they. Um, if this was a battle of live shows, I think actually of Montreal would win versus the it, Killers. It'd be pretty great. <laughs> I, but, uh, it would be a hell of. Okay, first of all, that'd be a great double bill. Yeah, they would. They would. They uh, absolutely would. It's it's a, a band that covered the the arena rock um, mantle and a band that is absolutely petrified of of inheriting it, but probably had the chops to do it. You know. Yeah. Um, again, I will remind you of one of the least likely character traits for uh, this band is that they used to crash on our sister's floor when they were touring. So. Um, Another just a, a little bit of brother, brother, brother. And another relative that we're all actually attached to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One or two. Um, 
Anyway, right. uh, so I'm I'm going hot fuss. Yeah, guys. Mr. Brightside, I, I think, is up there with Maps for me as one of the best songs of the last 20 years. So, And I think it's not the best song on that album. So there yeah, you go. There you go. I, was, I, I completely agree with that, actually. So, um, Anyway, Hot Fuss moves on. And, um, oh, man, next we are, we are really should in for a Should we take a break? Just yeah, to, we should uh, take a break because we might be priming for a fist fight, and I kind of want to go, uh, you know. Cycle before that happens. Acoustic guitar versus (laughs) a sharpen your razor blade. Sledgehammer. hitting region three or for those of you with uh, a map in front of you the midwest region um not that any of these bands are necessarily from the midwest some of them are but in any event um, in this case you actually you went you went uh right on this is there's a midwesterner here yep um and uh in any event we are we are faced with a, a really a difficult uh matchup here with number four bonnie bears for em- for Emma Forever Ago uh, against number 13, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Yeah, so I guess, Jeremy, with that, um, we'll let you defend Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Um, no, we'll, we'll toss uh, Bonnie Vare to you. I know that's one of your favorites. Uh, and I will uh, sit here as blind... Lady Justice. <laughs> blindly led. Right, bef- the, uh, right before Kurt one of us, Montreal. Christian, imagine yourself in, in the Arctic, uh, flat, frozen wastelands of Wisconsin. Go um, on. Alone in a cabin with an acoustic guitar. Um, now, so, yeah, Forever, for Emma, Forever Ago is just, I think, one of those records that surprised a lot of people. Um, Justin Vernon, who has now become kind of a, a staple and, and played on Kanye albums and and uh, has kind of sonically sort of expanded quite a bit. But um, he started really, really kind of small, um, literally recorded this album in his cabin out in Wisconsin after a breakup of both his, his earlier band and, I think... Uh, and his ice Emma. fishing team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he had to skip the, uh, the curling team uh, for the... Yeah, <laughs> right. Some uh, tall boys of um, old style and, uh, and a guitar. But, the, I mean, I, I think this album is, is really interesting album in general i mean obviously there's the backstory of him kind of recording everything on his own minus a couple tracks where he overdubbed some horns and things on but also just vocal styling it's a record that 
he literally talks about, you know, this is the way he used to sing songs in his car. He was in a band. I'm, I'm forgetting the name. It was sort of an all-country band prior. And, you know, I think they were pretty straightforward. Um, and then with this, he really kind of was just doing this for himself. It was an album that he was doing for himself and singing in these sort of falsetto vo- vocal styles that he, you know, would do on his own in private. And from start to finish, this record is, is just, you know, I think a beautiful record. I mean, first of all, there's the, the sort of heartbreak and longing that it brings, but there are also just interesting arrangements and, and, you know, vocals. It starts with Flume and Lump Sum. The first song I ever heard was Skinny Love. It was actually before the album was released on a label. I'd heard it via, you know, online on a streaming service and, and instantly really, really dug it. But it's, it's an album that... I think means a lot of things to a lot of people. It's one of those records that sort of like Neutral Milk Hotel's um, Airplane Over the Sea. It's one of those ones like you're not sure, like I really dig this, not sure if you will, and then everybody seems to really love it and have a personal relationship with it. And, uh, you know, I think... Yeah, there's know, a lot of ownership with this album. I know, you know, for you it was the your first yeah, I had, child and, and I had another friend, yeah. it's his divorce album. Exactly. It's, 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 and then it's also one of those records too, and, and you know it was one of my comfort food records, you know. And I find this—I mean, I love you know all the albums on this list for the most part, and and you know there's a lot of bands that I go back to, and a lot of albums I go back to, but there's like that handful of records that I just never sound old to me or never get sick of. And then there's song for song, I can listen to this start to finish. I can pull any of the tracks off as well and throw them on and enjoy them separate too. So, you know, I, I also think just in the you know, like I said, in, in the indie rock or in, in rock, um, you know, this album obviously garnered the attention of people like Kanye. It garnered, it, it's, you know, there's a Saturday Night Live, Live skit with um, Justin Timberlake, Timberlake, you know, doing yeah. the Von bon, bon Iver impression and, and, and the, the style of singing. So, I mean, it's an album that really, you know, was, was hum, from its humble beginnings became kind of an, a phenomenon in, in the music world and still is. So, um, you know, and I'll kick it over to you to, to turn it to 11 with Queens. I feel like I feel like we're, you know, approaching the bench separately. Uh, you know, you're representing one. Um, you're representing the defendant and I'm uh, and I'm representing the the uh, the person who they aggrieved. Um, anyway, but you, where you say, you know, picture yourself on a frozen lake in a cabin. I mean, Queens of the Stone Age, it's picture yourself in the desert drinking 150 proof tequila, eating Tripping the worm, <laughs> having a flying V guitar, you know, spontaneously combust in your hands. Um, it is, I, Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf is my favorite hard rock record um, in this entire competition, which means it's my favorite hard rock record um, of the past 20 years. And every song on it rips. Um, It's not, um, it's, you know, it's, it lets, the songs are allowed to breathe. There's a lot of space, but there's also just a heaviness and, and forcefulness that that you know really conjures um, you know where we were talking about hot fuss looking back at the eighties this so heavily looks back at the seventies and cock rock and uh, in the best possible way I mean it is um, you know these guys have an ownership of of their instruments and and you know this was a 
you know, this was an unusual band and Josh Homme being at the you know front and center, but um, this was still had uh, the the last vestiges of of Nicola Very's sanity present. Um, Mark Lanigan was on this record. Dave Grohl was a drummer on this record. It, it's got a pedigree that's unarguable. But you know that again, we talked about supergroups not particularly. Um, uh, clicking a lot of the times, but I wouldn't think of this as a super group. These are people who, you know, really liked what Josh Homme was doing and just wanted to to sort of lend their talents um, and make a great record. And they sound every ounce like a band on this um, that is, you know, in full, uh, you know, sort of full control of of where they're going and what they're looking for. It's a very ambitious record, and at the same time, it's super self assured. Um, I think, um, you know, one of the better live bands you could possibly see uh, are Queens of the Stone Age. Had the pleasure of seeing them, as Jared did, very, very early on before I really knew who they were and and just had my sort of hair blown back. Um, The songs, you know, I mean, uh, You Think You're Worth a Million, uh, Hanging Tree, um, No One Knows, which was the big radio hit. Um, song for the deaf. Uh, they're just all. You can't put this album on and and not want to drive really fast through the desert. And it is again. I'm just gonna give it my vote as my favorite hard rock record, and that means a lot here. It's a very weird matchup going up against uh, Forever Forever ago because um, just a contrast in styles. I mean, this is this is you know the Princeton versus UNLV game. Anyway, Death Valley versus Eau Claire. Exactly. <laughs> Ice fishing versus snake hunting. You know? <laughs> meth, meth making. <laughs> meth, meth making versus meth taking. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going to cast my vote for Queens of the Stone Age. Jared's casting <clears throat> his vote for uh, Bonnie Vare and Christian. It comes Man, down to you. Man, this is tough. Yeah, I, this is really brutal. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Four Emma forever ago uh just because of the the way that that's really punched (laughs) above no i i mean yeah i like songs of the deaf more um but but we are talking about the greatest uh and i just think that the the scope um of of his success has just been massive and it's changed the landscape for uh for indie rock as sort of a mainstream commercial commodity um so there you Good go. Choice, thanks Griffin. for thanks for fucking up indie rock, Bonnie Bear. <laughs> Come on, skinny love, just lay
So the next one, we move on. And uh, I think this one's interesting, too. Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City versus number 11, The Hold Steady, Separation Sunday. So who wants to tip off here? I, I don't have a hard time with this one. I okay. love The Hold Steady, but uh, Boys and Girls in America is my Hold Steady album. Separation Sunday, I really like. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Hold Steady fans would, I think a bulk of Hold Steady fans would argue that it's their best album. Um, I actually like when their sound filled out a little bit more with uh, the keys and, and Friends Nicolay's back, backing vocals in that sort of higher register. Um, this is the blueprint for, for the band. I mean, this is, um, you know, it's vintage, you know, Separation Sunday's vintage uh you know, sort of guitar hero rock um, with uh, Craig Finn's unique um, storytelling on top of it. But Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City is, um, I think, just a, a, a cut above in terms of its sophistication. Um, you're talking about two of the best writers working in pop music going toe-to-toe in this. Um, but when Modern Vampires of the City came out, um, I was just blown away by the sort of um, the great leap forward that the band had taken. They'd sort of been the cute kids from Columbia that had written two quirky, bookish, um, precious, you know, slightly precious records um, where the talent was really apparent. But uh, again, it could be a turnoff to people who, um, you know, were... The preciousness was the preciousness was could be yeah, a, yeah and, and it was for me. I mean, I, yeah, I had a, I had a little bit of trouble with that. I, I think you're absolutely right to cite this as a huge step forward, though. And f- going from having all the talent and potential, but to actually fulfilling it and pushing music in a in a sort of new, interesting direction, I thought. And a lot of that, you know, Ezra Koenig is a good songwriter. Rostam Batmanglij is is like a pretty incredible. Producer and and just yeah, I mean the the combination of their talents are are um, very much apparent on on this record. I think uh, they're but, they're cultural poachers, and in this case, they they took all the right you know all the right ingredients from everything they had been um, paying homage to over the first two albums and the sort of you know African music and and uh, you know the sort of. Uh, um, Arguably the the first, uh, I mean, arguably, you know, they are the iPod generation, right? Like, they had all music at their fingertips the entire time. Craig Finn didn't when he was a kid. Ezra Koenig's, you know, my age. Basically, it's like you just pick whatever you want from wherever it comes from. Um, And you can do it pretty much instantaneously. And I think the breadth of their uh, musical interests are, um, you know, hugely apparent here. Um, And it, it... Come, you know, but they but they actually really focused on like tight, good song craft and piecing them together on an album in a way that that makes sense. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of you know sort of current hip hop production in there too. I mean, it's a it's a yeah. real you know sonically. Melange. I think it yeah it ties in the sonics and the songwriting. Uh, it's a great record. I mean, I think Separation Sunday is a great record too, and I think it's. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was my introduction to really liking the Hold Steady. I, I was living in the Midwest at the time in Chicago, and they were off the first album. You know, had a lot of uh, a lot of hype, and, all, and a lot of people knew this band from Lifter Puller. And um, 
and I wasn't, I didn't get it. I just didn't totally get it until I heard this album and, and kind of listened to it over and over again and the stories and the characters and the, you know, sort of Catholic school uh, casualties and, and the, you know, townie type fuck ups. Um, I mean, from Bangin' Camp to Charlemagne and Sweatpants. Um, so good. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a great story album. And these characters, once you get into this band, sort of, you know, tend to f- flow through other Reappear. albums as well. Show up and in Ybor City every once in a while. And I think when I'll counter your, I mean, I, I love Boys and Girls in America too, but I think this is actually the album where they fill out. I think this is yeah. the album where the piano kicks in and, and, and the guitars get a little louder and, and the the vocals, you know, aren't, aren't, I mean, he's obviously always sort of vocal forward, but like there's, um, you know, this, this this is the album that kind of changed my mind on them. And, and you know, I think it's sort of the, the B-1000 versus the Alien Lanes or the, you know, for some people... Slanted Enchanted versus, you know, um, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. I, uh, I think this one's, you know, equally as good as Boys and Girls and, and definitely stands up. So, I mean, anybody, I, go ahead. I would Christian, just chip in, yeah. Fan. I mean, I, I, I think this is, I mean, this is my favorite Hold Steady album um, by, by uh, quite a distance, actually. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, Hornets, Hornets, Stevie Nicks, Charlamagne and Sweatpants, as you said, um, you know how a resurrection really feels. I mean, it's just it's so deeply doused in in like personality and personalities. I mean, the characters that they develop in this album are, um, you know, the the drug casualties, the um, you know the the hood rat. Uh, like it just it, it, they are you you become so sort of well, immersed if you've done in any this, in this story in this like yeah if you've been a teenager yeah um, you can relate you, yeah you you, you, <laughs> you know these this. people you've um, hung out at the lake and drank or you know the woods yeah. or done whatever or the know. water tower yeah his ability to relate that I mean to relate those experiences and sort of make them universal is like he's just a masterful writer um, and uh, I, I you know um, I, I think for that reason I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cast my vote and say it's it's got to be for separation sunday i'm gonna go modern vampires of the city yeah i'm gonna be the deciding factor here i really like both these albums quite a bit and i um i I hear you on vampire weekend but i think as far as just i don't know like the whole steady separation sunday hits me in a different way so Ah, upset 11 beating six I'm i'm not unhappy about that at all you know this is uh but I, it would be uh, hard to be. I'm a little surprised. I'm just not unhappy. Um, next up, number three, Radiohead, Kid A, versus number 14, Passion Pit, Manners. Whew. All right. <clears throat> I'll take a swipe at, uh, if, at Kid A, if I may. Um, this is the George Mason, uh, um, Kansas matchup, or what? You know, I mean, is this is pretty much... Um, I don't well. I don't know that it's it's that bad. I mean, look, it, it Radiohead's a, a you know a Megatron in, in in this world, and they they should do very well. Um, they're certainly deserving. Um, you know, I think the the case that you got to make for for Kid A is that it is a case that Radiohead really came into their own creatively and and. Um, you know, found they 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 managed to transform their sound and you know their instrumentation and um, everything about it halfway through their career. I mean, that's that's sort of unheard of. Like, I can't think of that many people who've done it effectively. Um, and to to shift from guitar rock, you know, 
fringes of, of sort of a moody or darker Britpop on something like Pablo Honey um, to an almost fully electronic album uh, 10 years later in Kid A is, is a remarkable achievement. And to make sure that every album in between is actually good is even a more uh, an even more remarkable achievement. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, let me pose one question uh, just uh, that leaps to mind, which is, you know, is this an album that you enjoy or is this an album that you are supposed to like? I actually enjoy it. I think I personally I enjoy Hail to the Thief better, but you guys apparently didn't agree. <laughs> I like Hail to the Thief. I mean, I think, I think Kid it has A... better songs. I think Kid A is just like is is really mesmerizing. It's challenging in some respects. But it's you know I mean it it feels good um, even if it's uh, e- even if it's not something that like produced a bunch of songs that I throw on playlists on a regular basis. Well, I, I, have to, I I would argue this, and, I, and I'm not even sure where this you know where this moves the needle if it moves the needle. But I almost feel like I was resistant to Kid A when it came out. Um, I wanted to like it because it was supposed to be this important breakthrough album. And I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't, and I saw him on that tour, and it was mind blowing. And then I understood the album. It was a definite epiphany yeah. album for me because, you know, I really didn't love it. And then seeing it played live made every bit of difference. Um, there's only a few bands I can think of that can make you change your mind about something uh, so drastically so quickly. Um, yeah. And it was it, it was amazing. No, see, seeing them perform, and I mean, you know, folks can can go on YouTube and, and come up with. I mean, there's some really terrific performances uh, available there, and just you know, seeing the way that they they construct these incredible, um, uh, you know, works of of um, music is really re- like just in, it's an incredible process, and that, and it's so complicated. That kind of um, moves them to me into that camp of. You know, very few artists that I can think of. Um, Katie Lang comes to mind for me personally, but bands that can't be properly captured on record, that that require, um, you know, that require that you see them live almost, um, or maybe you know, I, I'm fighting with this. I, you know, I mean, I've never with seen myself with live, this. and I, uh, I like all their records pretty much. I mean, they're you know, with a few. I'm not a Phantom Limbs fan, but other than that. I think, you know, you nailed a couple of things on, on Kid A. Like, obviously, you know, having been a Radiohead fan from the get-go, from, um, you know, it was, a, it was a departure. And it was, you know, back when, you know, music media really kind of, like, drove the ship. And it was like, oh, my God, it's almost unlistenable. They've done the insane. And, and I think the thing that, that stands out most about this album is it's really listenable to me. And it's not that, like, I mean, it's distant and it's unique and it's definitely, like, um, not the bends, and it, it's certainly not OK Computer. Although you could hear where they were kind of going with with OK Computer into Kid A, but I think a lot of these tracks, you know, everything in its right place, Idiotech are, are really kind of they're pretty song structured and, and, and listenable. Um, I just don't think it's like the greatest Radiohead album start to finish. I, I think it has some holes, and you know, I think it's up against a, a really fun, unique, original album in Passion Pits Manners. 
which to me kind of, again, you know, we, we've said it a few times here, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I had no idea what the hell Passion Pit sounded like, and I still have a hard time describing what Passion Pit sounds like. It's, it's it a merges, chaotic sound. Yeah, it's like, but it's fun. It's dance music. It's, it's, um, it's big. Pop music, it, it, and it's got, a, you know, obviously the quirky vocal sounds. I think it's synth pop. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it, it right, also, but it, I think it also was out of place a little bit. when it, I mean, when it came out, it, it kind of captured like uh and maybe i'm i'm wrong here but i'm, I'm thinking what were you thinking like 2008 that came out like it just seemed to have like a, a party vibe with you know more sort of like not necessarily party lyrics and not necessarily um you know with more seriousness to it but it, it, it carried itself like really well i'm sure christian you were probably in, in college or something when that came out and i'm sure it was an album that got played a lot i mean i uh I just, I just really think it's a fun record. Where I don't think Kid A is, is the, the most complete. I think it's an important record. I think it, it, you know, I think most of Radiohead's albums are important, and it has like three of my favorite Radiohead songs. Actually, I, I do actually pop a lot of those songs on mixes, and and, and I, like you, win. I think I, I grew to really appreciate this album, but um, you know, I, I just don't think it's the, their best complete work. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. I remember, you know living in Boston at the time when Passion Pit came out, they were, you know, sort of billed as one thing. The, the, the backstory was, was you know, completely antithetical to the way the music sounded. Um, you know, they were billed as a sort of um, Michael Angelicus, uh, who was at Emerson at the time, Emerson College, had, you know, sort of sat in his dorm room and, and constructed this record. And it, it, so I was expecting, Wasn't you know, it a Valentine's Day gift for his girlfriend? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. I, I mean, that, it, was, that it, was the lore attached to it. I don't know how But I mean, that it, is, to me, that that, that, I, was, I was expecting for Emma forever ago, you know, or, or something of that. Yeah. that. That's what a Valentine sounds like to me. I mean, it, it, no, I mean or, or a suicide attempt, one or the other. <laughs> but, um, you know, but then Manners came out and I was like, this thing's huge. Like, this is... This is going to be big. This is, you know, this is hot fuss, you know? Yeah, it felt like, um, it inexplicably felt like it had the energy drive and, like, party-making combustibility of, like, a girl talk album without being all samples. It was all original material. Yeah, and it sure as hell didn't sound like one person, um, which was, you know, pretty wild. And then I saw them um, pretty soon after that, oddly enough, opening for uh, Phoenix and Spoon, and... Um, I think it was one of their first shows. I don't think they had done any touring yet, and there was the question of whether or not this was going to be a, a sort of XTC, Steely Dan kind of thing where the guy just put out music that he made by himself, and um, they wound up being a fantastic show. So they wound up you know, being really good on stage, too, so it was great. Well, sh- shall we cast a vote, and then we'll, we'll take a quick break and come back and round this, uh, round yep. this up? We yeah, let's cool. do it. I'm going right, to go I'm, with Passion Pit. Sorry to jump in, but I, uh, I just I have more fun with that record, and uh, I think it's it's pretty unique, original piece of material. I'm going to go with Kid A. I'm going with Manners. Wow. Nice. Big upset. Upset special. Number three, Radiohead. Again, an upset that I'm not upset about. I'm just shocked Surprised. By. I am, too. I, I literally I was, con- I was persuaded during the course of that conversation, so... Sometimes the giants we'll, go down. We'll see how I feel about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, all right, so let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll come back and finish this.
welcome back to Brother, Brother, Brother. We are talking about uh, our third region here, um, and we have a couple of really brutal matchups um, in in uh, our 7 and 10 seeds, LCD Sound System self-titled album versus Team Impala's Lonerism, and then the Wrens, Meadowlands, against At the Drive-In, Relationship of Command. So let's start this off. Uh, LCD and Team Impala, I mean... Do you guys, uh, Wyndham, would you like to, to put in a word for, I think for I can, Tame Impala? I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I really like Lonerism. I saw Tame Impala on the, I think, might have been their first American show. It was, yeah. Ever Pianos. Pianos um, with friend of the pod, uh, Simon O'Connor's band Amazing Baby opening. Or, actually, I'm not sure. I, I, th- I, th- I think about it. Tame Impala might have been opening baby. for Amazing Baby. <laughs> um, and uh, Tame Impala uh, has had a, a sort of a significant rise since, obviously. For, um, for context, I most recently saw them at Radio City Music also. Exactly. Um, and uh, But, yeah, I mean, I, so I've always had a real uh, soft spot for them. They, they looked, um, you know, they were, they were still finding their legs, I think, as a, as a touring band, and, and uh, they looked very young, which they were, and uh, they, were, they were great. Uh, Lonerism, I think, is my favorite of their three albums, although I really like their, I like Inner Speaker an awful lot. Um, I think people forget about that one. Um, Lonerism, through a couple of uh, big singles, wound up making a pretty significant um, advance for the for the band in terms of popularity. And, um, you know, they're a band that is morphing in the same way that, that uh, um, Radiohead is, where I think they've got some real musical genius within the, the ranks. And I, I believe that what's coming, it's always going to be interesting to see what they do next. Um, that said... <laughs> we did. You know, this is a this is a podcast that dedicated about seventy two hours to de, uh, deconstructing one song on this album, LCD album. So, um, I think I know where we're all voting. I think that's right. Correct. LCD. LCD moves ahead, and um, you know, good day, Tame Impala. Anyway, last matchup, and um, I is a number two. And I think a, a, a real dark horse number two for most people, but not if you've uh, listened to us and know where our hearts lie. Uh, it's the Wrens Meadowlands versus number 15, which is at the drive-in's relationship of command. It's an interesting yeah. matchup because, and I, Christian, I want to throw out the drive-in to you, obviously, but, sure. you know, it, it's a, a band that really is obscure that we love versus a band that I think, uh, you know, is, at least in my time, was very commercially accepted and, and also brought like a really fierce sound and uh and and you know punk sound to the well you were in texas for this weren't you i was yeah but i mean it, they're not a band that i i really jumped on the bandwagon for too much i do like this album but i'm gonna let christian go because i know it's his pick so go for it yeah um i mean it, it just yeah to put it in context to, for my for my personal picks this was actually the I, I had as the number 10 album of the last uh 17 18 years so um it slipped a little bit uh didn't didn't make your guys list i don't think it had quite the same impact um i think growing up uh a period of time where hardcore was very quickly um devolving or or unraveling into um a sort of screamy pop punk uh 
version of itself um, and had, you know, lost, I think, some of the, um, I mean, the intellectual underpinnings or the, the I mean, uh, that, I, that I think were sort of important to the um, early stages uh, of, of punk rock. Like, these guys came back, they were smart, they were phenomenal players, um, and they just really, like, absolutely laid it on the line. I mean, I, I think it's, it's it, it, there's just, it, this guy sounds so utterly exhausted, um, you know, with every line that he sings. Uh, and really, I mean, it has just such a terrific lineup of songs. I mean, but I, I, I think I, I really can't um, un- or overstate the, uh, you know, the speed, power, um, and, you know, uh, intricacy of, of their their hooks, um, which I, you know, I, I think are, uh, are a big reason for their success. But I mean, um, <clears throat> our Arsenal, uh, pattern against user, one arm scissors, sleepwalk capsules, um, frankly, I think is, is just a, a killer opening run, um, on any album. Uh, I would add that Rolex propaganda, uh, which I didn't know until recently actually features Iggy pop on the backup vocals. Um, was uh, you know was another uh, another really sort of memorable um, song and and I, it's it's a strange album because it, it felt sort of disconnected from the rest of uh, the music I was listening to the fact that they were from Texas meant that there just wasn't a whole lot of context that came with these guys and I'm sure that's not true for you Jeremy but um, this was just like this sort of weird gem that that existed apart from everything else and I guess I may have made it more attractive to me. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were not not weird even for Texas standard. I mean, they're from El Paso, not Dallas, not Houston, not Austin, obviously. So it was, you know, they were out there, and uh, you know, and I think the music was out there, and I think they, I think you, you know, the power of this album, you know, really was was impressive. I mean, completely the breathless delivery. I mean, it's just it's so uh, uh, intense. I mean, it's really the the best way to describe it. Yeah, and I mean, they, they had a, a following back then. Like, you know, they, they had some earlier stuff that, that I actually like as well. And, and uh, you know, and then I think this was kind of their their swan song. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, didn't they sort of dissolve after this album or did they put out a couple more? They had some hard yeah. times. So, yeah. <laughs> they, but um, they ultimately came back as the sort of reimagined Mars Volta who I couldn't... Right be less interested in frankly <laughs> yeah. is, which is fascinating to me take I, away like, the songs just... and put put in the prog rock you yeah know, experimentation um yeah and it's weird i mean you're up against like i said there's the i think the last couple i think you know kid a would definitely stir some trouble with our fans and i think this one will too in in my opinion assuming we're going to lean where we're going to lean but you know the wrens is one of those albums that you know our pod is three brothers three different generations and I think the Wren's album, lyrically speaking and musically, it's a, it's a fantastic rock and pop record. But I also think lyrically kind of all hit us in different ways, but it's a very personal record as well. Um, you know, I don't want to speak for you too, but I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a funny lineup because I, I don't think is not, not even close to as many people who listen to a relationship of command even know who the hell the Wren's are. Um, but it's, a, it's metal. I don't think there's a lot of overlap in their fan base. No, <laughs> in fact, I, you might be speaking to the only overlap in their fan yeah. base. <laughs> and I mean, I, I remember getting the metal lands, and I think I mentioned it earlier. I bought it the same day that I bought um, uh, Broken Social Scene and, and uh, a, 
a December's record that I quickly threw away, but like the um, the you know you originally the the broken social scene hit me right away because it hit all those notes, right? It hit all those things that I was listening to. And it really took me a little while. I think I was commuting via, you know, train or L system in, in Chicago at the time. And I, you know, would put on, put it in my disc man and, and uh, throw it on. And, uh, you know, this boy is exhausted was the first song that, and, you know, she sends kisses and that really just lyrically nailed me. And then, and their depth and the kind of intricacies that this band brings to this album and into their songcraft just blew me away. So well, was, in, uh, in some respects, I, I will say, I mean, what you've just pointed to is is one comparison where I think um, the intricacy, like the layering, um, the sonic depth of both of these records, actually uh, does bear some. You know, they they do have some common ground. Um, there, you know, I can I can listen to the same song four times in a row and hear four different pieces of it or follow four different threads through it, um, and it, it just you know the idea of competing. Lyricists, in the case of, I mean, actually, in, in the case of both bands too, um, is uh, you know is, is a really sort of important and I think distinguishing feature that makes them that makes them both so great. So I, I wanted to put up an impassioned defense for, or um, I guess a, a case for at the drive-in. Um, I'm bummed that they came into conflict with one another, but um, I think we'll we'll be talking more about the runs uh, probably soon. I expect. Um, so yeah. should we uh, should we cast votes? I will cast the vote, uh, first vote for the Meadowlands. Um, I, I, will, I won't uh, pontificate until later. Yeah. Meadowlands. I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll cast a completely meaningless uh, vote in favor of at the drive-in just because. Make it a game. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we will do our fourth and final region. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and we are 
deep in the heart of our uh, round one March Madness best album thus far of the millennium and uh, just is not getting any easier so uh, we're, we're down in the south region not that uh, a few of these bands are from the south a few from across the pond and our first lineup is uh, number one seated Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights versus number 16 Converge Jane Doe Christian uh, why don't you talk about Converge yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is uh, this is suitably a, a eulogy for for Jane Doe and Converge um, in all likelihood. But uh, you know, I, I think that this is a, a band that really is sort of you know one of the leaders in like hardcore metal um, or metallic hardcore, um, however you want to however you want to put it. Um, the like musical complexity that they brought to uh to this genre um their willingness to draw on influences that are outside the sort of um traditional wheelhouse of of hardcore um really did sort of propel them past uh past their their contemporaries i think and you know uh, jacob bannon's like uh his vocals were the sort of you know frantic um uh, speedy and and um, you know hyper uh, hyper sort of lyrics and and um, and delivery I think that that you would you know hope for out of uh, out of music like this it is a seminal album it's 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 important it changed the way that people um, performed wrote played hardcore throughout the two thousands uh, and you know I, I think that ultimately it's gonna suffer because just hardcore isn't as widely appealing a genre or, or widely consumed a genre um, as uh, as you know more more straight laced uh, indie rock. What I, do you I, guys think? I I never I I don't know. There converges another band we talked about American Nightmare uh, last week on the pod. I I converge another band. I just don't. I mean, I know their roots are in hardcore, but it just doesn't feel like I can call them a hardcore band, and, and I mean that in a complimentary way. I um, I feel like they're because um, okay, you like it, yeah. Because well, no, because <laughs> no, but I liked hardcore when I, but it just, it, it's a, such a narrow stripe, um, you know. I, and I think that these guys are are really talented and good, and and um, you know, in a in a in a really unusual. Um, you know, sort of measure they—they they are, uh, you know, of this genre that's rather binding. But um, you know, they keep getting better um, yeah. with age, which is a you know absolutely unusual situation in that world. So um, no, it's it's really. I mean, it's it's absolutely worth pointing out. I think, and and you know, thank you for for sort of reminding me of that. But I mean, my favorite. Converge album thus far uh, actually came out in 2012, um, which is all we love, we leave behind. So you know, I, I think that 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 had um, a, a sort of slightly less momentous uh, impact on the like the the world of, of this this sort of uh, um, corner of, of hardcore metal. But uh, which is why I think Jane Doe does belong on this list. Um, that said, uh, I think it's fucking ripping, and it's a little bit more accessible for folks who are, um, you know, a little uh, not so sure, perhaps, about um, about Jane Doe. But yeah, no, I mean, these guys are real leaders of the of the Boston hardcore scene. So. And that said, you just put them up against your favorite album of all time. My absolute favorite album <laughs> of all time. Yeah. So basically, there you go. Yeah, there's your vote. I'm going to turn on the bright lights. Yeah, there's no uh, question for me. Interpol's turn on the bright lights. Yep. New York over Boston every time. Hey. Oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> Cheap shot. Here's yeah, um, it was. Next up, we got Louisville versus Chicago. Um, by way of Agora Hills, Calabasas, uh, Hidden Hills, or whatever the hell they call it. Um, number eight, My Morning Jacket, It Still Moves, versus number nine, Kanye West, the college dropout, still recorded when he was safely ensconced in uh, Chicago. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to sing the praises of My Morning Jacket, It Still Moves. It's a great rock album. Uh, it goes a lot of different places. There's some, you know, really uh, sentimental, folky stuff here. There's uh, one big holiday, which is a ripping, just rock song. Um, a lot, a lot of hair in your face. A lot of. Thing, I mean, that know. is arena rock at its at its most artistic. Um, and uh, you know, the, the lyrics here. I think, um, you know, the first couple of My Morning Jacket albums are really good. They, this is a band that came out, you know, as I always say, this is a band that kind of came out fully formed, but it's a weird thing to say because every single one of their albums is such a genre shift or, you know, they finds them meddling in, in uh, you know, or experimenting in different genres and, and to great effect. I mean, I'm, um, you know, a big fan of Z. I'm a big fan of Tennessee Fire. I'm a big fan of... This album, this happens to be my favorite, my morning jacket record. I think it's it's excellent start to finish. Uh, the song craft here is is as good as it's ever been. And I think this is the sweet spot in their sound where you can you can hear the South coming out a little bit, um, but you know it's a really uh, strong American rock record, and um, I uh, I still listen to it very frequently. And you know dance floors and. Um, you know, every song on this I really love. So this is this is a tough one uh, for me to argue. This will be a tough one uh, for me to vote Sweet. against anywhere along the line in this tournament. It's one of my favorites. So um, somebody take over and start talking college dropout. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. I'm sure Christian can too. I am a it's Still Moves fan as well. But, um, I, you know, the college dropout for me was my, I mean, it's my introduction to Kanye. And, and I think it just came at a time, I mean, A, I was living in Chicago, so it was just played a lot um, at parties, uh, at people's houses and cars. Um, it, it was just a, a really sort of prevalent album. But it also brought, I think, his uniqueness to the hip-hop world. I mean, obviously Kanye had been doing things behind the scenes prior, but there was like a... a I don't know, they're, they're kind of a blend of, like, commercial pop, underground hip-hop, wordplay, you know, uh, just the musically sample-wise and, and, and just the music music um, that he brought to this record. I don't know, it, it's just, it's actually my favorite Kanye record. I mean, I, I like pretty much all of Kanye's stuff, but... But this one, I think, because I hit it, it hit me first, and it hit me at a time where I was not like bored with hip hop, but I guess I was kind of bored with hip hop. There was there was just not <clears throat> not anything that was really floating, you know, my boat or, or getting me excited. This sounded and, extremely fresh when it came out. Yeah, really fresh, and and I think it just it got me excited again about a genre that I've, I've always really listened to and, and really really loved. And and uh, you know, there, I mean, there's some great standouts here. You know, I think. Just the opener, we don't care. I will say the flaw of this album 
you know, the skits get a little old. We, we talked about off the air, just skits on hip hop albums in general and how they become pretty dated pretty quickly. Just skits on albums. I mean, it's yeah, like the, or the just the let's Pixies stop. are, are yeah. you know, pretty bad violators. But, but yeah, no, for sure. As a way of like, particularly when you feel like it's a way of padding your album and adding, adding tracks to it. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'll drop the mic with Jesus Walks, you know, which still to this day to me is, you know, top five hip-hop songs ever written and recorded and such a fucking... Nobody was rapping about Jesus and making it sound fucking phenomenal and cool, and, and that song just just kicks, you know? Um, but it, it's a great album, Get Em High. I mean, it, I, I love it. Um, it's a tough... This is a tough one, you know, because I, I do think when, for My Morning Jacket, it's funny, like... I'm not a big album guy. I think they're one of those bands that we talked about prior, um, you know, tournament. They're, they're amazing live. Like, I will not miss them live, and, and I, they are so fucking good live. I don't really listen to their albums very much, but I think this is the album that is by far their best and, and takes everything that I love about them and, and puts it in there. So, um, Christian, any thoughts? No, I think you guys have, have covered, it, uh, covered it pretty well. Um. I, I, I'm ready to vote uh, based on based on your impassioned arguments. All right, I'm going. It still so, moves. Yeah, I I, I'm gonna. All right, well, good because I'll go Kanye then. I was gonna go. Uh, gonna go Kanye anyway. You were, you were concerned I was gonna try and blow things up and, and push <laughs> Kanye past. No, I, I mean, was I, okay with Kanye moving on. I just I have a hard time. You know, I they're both good, so I'm happy. Happy. Yeah, I didn't realize good. you were my morning jacket fan, Christian. I'm not really. I just think that you made a good case for it. It is. It's a. It's a ripping record. And I also, uh, um, with it, with my not my knowing that you're a, a bit lukewarm on Wilco. I think this is um, this is an album that is sort of. Uh, I don't think they have a ton in common, but I think this is um, maybe an album you would like better than than the stuff that yeah, you find soft I, about Wilco. It's. I mean, yeah. It's like I get a little bored with the mid-tempo Wilco stuff, um, but I love Built to Spill. So uh, you know, I, I sort of feel like there's these guys fall somewhere in between those two bands, and I can't exactly pinpoint it. But um, well, I'm going to make you see them live at some point. And, and oh yeah, appeared. no, I've been looking for the opportunity. That's always sounded like fun. It's a fun time. Anyway, moving on. The next one is a twelve-five. And another toughie. I mean, to, to, like I said, twelve fives in the actual tournament are, are um, you know, a, a source of a lot of upsets. And in this case, um, number five is Amy Winehouse's "Back to Black," and number twelve is Spell and Sebastian. I think universally uh, in this group, which is a three person, um, thought to be the best album they put out post their late nineties um, heyday. So. Uh, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black versus Bell and Sebastian's The Life Pursuit. I mean, go. who wants to go, Amy Winehouse? I'm I'm happy to go Amy Winehouse. I think, um, you know, I had had this listed in my top ten albums overall. Uh, I think it's one of those records that um, transcended all genre. Everybody likes this album everybody it be, it, i mean it, the knock on it is that it was too present it was too ubiquitous and maybe it's it's turned into wallpaper for some people but i think she was the best deliverer of a song um among you know pop song uh you know pop stars that that has existed in, in a very very long time 
she also had one of the greatest voices. But I think that distinction is is there. I think, you know, a great voice is Adele and, and, you know, I mean, Christina Aguilera and people like that have great voices. Amy Winehouse had a great voice and an incredible ability to convey emotion and uh, a real... Um, uh, I mean, you know, sadly, obviously, uh, we all know what what happened, what the history is. But um, she had a vulnerability that that was, you know, unmistakable and really endearing, and made you know, r- you know, sort of raised these songs to a level well beyond what they would have been under anybody else's um, watch. So, uh, and this is also you know an album that sort of kickstarted the Mark Ronson. Uh, production career that um, you know I think is is good, but I think this is the best thing that uh, he'd ever done. And um, anyway, I, you know I think it's a classic. I think it's like a a classic in the entire canon of pop music. Right. Wow, M- who are you voting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I you know it's good. Um, um so i mean i'll i'll tell you yeah exactly um it's like like a like a soft seven um no i'll i'll talk about the life pursuit which which is an album i really love uh i wouldn't you know you sent me dear catastrophe waitress as sort of one of the first um you know birthday presents or something like that when i was 15 um and i can take it back yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, I I just there, I hadn't heard anything that was quite so unapologetically like sort of uh, nerdy, um, and you know, it, it's wonderfully melodic. Um, I mean, they they do make really great pop music, and in some respects, I feel like listening to you know. Dear Catastrophe Waitress was warming me up for Sufjan's releases. Um, like, it, it helped prime me and, and sort of get me in the mindset for, uh, for you know, being really appreciative of that type of pop music because it isn't something that necessarily, you know, a 15-year-old kid who also likes Converge and Darkest Hour is going to, you know, uh, uh, is going to find themselves drawn toward. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the sort of trademark, the trademark of... of you know, Stuart Murdoch ultimately is is this sort of wry wit um, that he has in his in his songwriting. Um, but in addition to that, for the first time, I think you really fill out and find like a groove. Um, it's as if somebody hit them with their rhythm stick, uh, and you know they suddenly had this, the ability to sort of uh, you know put a synth line in or a bass line in that might um, you know that might inspire somebody to shuffle their feet for for a little while. Like it's it's they you know they 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 found the music for them, um, which prior to that had been uh, you know very acoustic, very simple and stripped down, lo-fi. Um, and and while I think it was great, I mean, those were always good delivery mechanisms for for Murdoch's lyrics. Um, what you realized is that, like in the telling of these stories on the life pursuit, um, you know, backed up with and complemented by this this sort of new uh, uh, this new sound that they'd found, you know, it, it really did like elevate it. I think above uh, anything else that they'd um, that they'd done before, and I, I de- well, I definitely think since. Um, but I think probably before as well, uh, with the exception maybe of Tiger Milk. So um, yeah, it's like a blue-eyed soul. Yeah, there's some, meets there's some serious hand claps and blow yeah. the arm strap. 
I always yeah, thought, you know, they started no, off as Nick Drake and, <clears throat> and morphed into, you know, sort of Burt Bacharach meets Barry Gibb. Yeah, that's all a good thing. Fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are all good points of reference. Um, so, you know, I, I think... Uh, Shall we vote? Or, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Christian. No, 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 that's it, that's it. I mean, I, I you know, if you guys had anything else to, to toss in there. Uh, no, I'm going Amy Winehouse, the classic Back to Black. Sure. Christian, uh, I'm actually going to go Amy Winehouse as well. I like Bell and Sebastian, but I'm, I'm very partial to the, the early half, and I think this is a good album. But well, that makes my Amy protest Winehouse vote really... Sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. That makes my protest vote all the easier, or all, all you know. Um, <laughs> you so, don't feel bad about it. Yeah, exactly. I'll go Life Pursuit. There you go. Let the record reflect. Yes. Cool. So, Duly noted. Uh, should we take a break? Yeah, yeah let's take a quick uh, break and come jump back. back in. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, next matchup is not making things any easier. This is this is a first round is a slog, dude. Um, number four, the Postal Service's Give Up versus number 13, Jay-Z's The Black Album. Chris, I'm going to toss it to you to listen as our Jay-Z authority and uh, the only member of title among this group. Um, yeah, yeah, actually not that much of an authority. Um, <laughs> I mean, not that much of an authority that I have a title subscription. Um, because no one does. Uh, in any event, I, I think, you know, Jay-Z for me is it, it really, I mean, he was my favorite rapper growing up. Um, I got in, interested uh, for the life and times of Sean Carter, Volume 2. Um, I, you know, was was there and in the right state of mind, which is to say I was a sixth grader, I think, when uh, 3 came out. Um, the Blueprint, I think, was absolutely um just like a paramount you know it it was so much it was so good and so even and top to bottom a great album um and so much better than everything else on the market at that particular moment um you know and and we'll just pass over the blueprint to the gift and the curse um kind of a misstep i think but you know he then announced basically that he was that this was it this was going to be his last album um, we now know, of course, that that isn't true. But you know, I, I think it's 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 worth considering that he was truly the king at that point and prepared to go out on top. Um, 
and you know he he did for a period of I mean for a pretty long time. I mean his his uh, he he stayed out of the game longer than LCD Sound System did. Put it that way. Um, so you know this album I think uh, demonstrates like a, a degree of versatility to to you know that his music is is appropriate like in a club in a car by yourself um at home like it, it does you know it presents it of all sides of his uh uh his his ability and and you know i think the the beat mixing in particular is strong um his just sort of like laid back and kind of sly flow is is on um full display here uh and you know 99 problems is fucking killer uh as we all agree so you know i think there's a little bit of like lifetime legacy career award going on in my uh in my rationale for this but you know part of the reason that i i i love this so much is is yeah probably because i love so many of his other albums and uh um and believe he sort of deserves it as a person <laughs> and then I there's Go ahead, Windsor. No, I was just going to say, and then there's the Postal Service, Give Up, which, you know, convinced me that this isn't a great single with, you know, a, a whole album's worth of uh, songs that are 75 per, 75% as good, I mean, or 60% as good, you know, I mean, Such Great Heights is, un, is an unreal single, um, and then I just didn't see the dynamics from there, do you let, make a case? <laughs> I mean, is there anything wrong with that? You know, I mean, I, I honestly think like Such Great Heights is a out of the park, like 99 Problems. I think both albums are driven by, you know, singles that are, are probably, you know, a lot better than the whole. But I also think Give Up, you know, is, a, is an interesting album in the sense that it really, I mean, The District Sleeps Alone Tonight um, is a great song. That was a big single, I think. Um, you know, Sleeping In, Clark Gable, when, I mean, this album had a lot of singles that were actually, We we Will Become Silhouettes, but also the backstory of this album I think is interesting, you know, Ben Gibbard, obviously the, the sort of lead, lead singer of, of Death Cab for Cutie, um, kind of the, the primary member of Death Cab for Cutie, and then, um, oh my god, why am I spacing on this guy's name, is it, uh, save me here, uh, the DJ, I, All right, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Tamborello. Tamborello. Yeah. And, and so Tamborello and him sort of just exchanged licks, exchanged lyrics. So Tamborello would send, had this idea to do this kind of electronic album with, with Gibbard singing. Gibbard recruited Jenny Lewis, so that, that sort of makes up the Postal Service. And a lot of times, again, like you would think that's going to suck, you know, like Ben Gibbard singing over, you know, sort of techno-y DJ beats and uh, is just not going to work. And it... And it it's probably the most successful thing the guy's ever done. You know, it's certainly the most successful thing Tamborillo's ever done. It's one of those records that you can pop on start to finish and not have to skip a track. Um, you know, I think we were talking off there. It's, it's a, it's a, a sort of modern moon safari or, or one of those great dinner party albums. But, uh, you know, I also, you know, I think having songs that are you know, such great heights is, the perfect single, right? I mean, lyrically, musically, it's such a catchy, well-written, well-constructed song. And then to have the rest of the songs be, like, damn good, maybe not that as good as that single, is, I think, a feat, you know? That doesn't happen very often. Usually you have a great single and a bunch of shit songs. So um, 
you know, I think it's a more complete album than Jay-Z's. And I think that, uh, you know, Jay-Z has definitely more importance in society and, and certainly in the hip hop community, but in, in music in general, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's an icon at this point. Um, but you know, I think as far as the albums go, give, give up is, is the better album. All right. You want to hit a, go to a vote? Let's do it. Give up is my vote. Christian? I'm going with the Black Album. I'm going to go with Give Up. Oof. Pushed it over. 99 nice. problems. Uh, You're going to pour yourself a glass of rosé and go with Give Up. <laughs> it's so hard to vote against that, but it's, it is, I think, Christian... That's right, it was a bit of a Lifetime Achievement Award, although it is yeah. a good album. Anyway, moving on. Do uh, you want to take a quick break and come back? That'd be great. Okay. to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, and we are, uh, yeah, very deep into round uh, the round of 64 now. Um, we, uh, next up, we're in region four, I should say, and next up we've got number six, Spoon, Ga 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 Ga. That's the right number of guys, okay. Um, and uh, Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake, and it's morning. I think it's just yep. I'm Wide Awake, it's morning, but that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm reading off my notes here, and uh, clearly I've, I've set myself up to fail with the number of guys and uh, by mis, mistyping Bright Eyes album name. But, um, you know, I, these, are, these are great. Do you guys want to – I feel like we, we – all of us have talked about all of Spoon's albums so many times um, on this podcast, and we're going to be doing it some more, I think. I will um, just say But that I'd love to hear your thoughts on Bright Eyes. Yeah, I will just say, and uh, my one comment about the Spoon album is, I think this is their, um, I think this is as, as um, you know, uh, opinion coalesces, I, I think this is often pointed to as their best album. Also, I remember finding out that they were going to call their new album Ga 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 Ga, and being like, no, they're fucking not. <laughs> it's such a terrible title. Um, anyway, Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake and It's Morning. Jared? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, so this is an album that, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of. I think Bright Eyes hits different people at different ages, and, and I think a lot of my friends that are, are younger, like, you know, in basically under 30 or, or in the um, mid-30s really got into the, the early Bright Eyes stuff. I am a little older and kind of caught him, uh, you know, I guess around the lifted and, and fevers and mirrors period. And then he kind of took a turn into, I think he moved to Brooklyn from Nebraska and, and kind of took a turn into a little bit of an Americana wing. But I, I think this album in general, you know, it, it's really timely in the sense that the the Gulf War was going on. Um, it's very pointed. At, you know, I think a lot of the lyrics are both, they kind of fluctuate from his normal sort of personal style and, and kind of, uh, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve storytelling to, you know, more sort of thematic, um, you know, I think true kind of protest songs. And uh, you have some guest stints with Emmy Lou Harris. And, uh, you know, this is Bright Eyes and, and the full band um, period where you had, you know, I think 15 band school kids on stage with him and oh, horns yeah. and, and all sorts of instrumentation. And, and so I, I got to see him on, a, on these tours and, and thought it was pretty epic and pretty cool. And again, just, a, you know, I don't know how old he was when this album came out, um, but he was not very old still. And, and just one of those like true, I think, musical songwriting geniuses where, where this young man, um, you know, Saying with with real depth and and real lyrical mastery that is seldom seen and, and I think you, you seldom come upon. So um, it's a great record and I think it's probably like his most fully kind of you know formed and and, and uh, I guess accessible. But in ex- I mean that in a very positive way, not in like you know. Yeah, it's, I, it's interesting. I, I would actually I would dispute the idea that I mean I think you're I think you're right. It is the most accessible. I, I don't I think his crowning achievement personally is is lifted, um, which you know I, I think this was reflects, the album before this, right? Yeah, um, and and this I think I'm I'm wide awake. It's it's morning is uh, what it what it provides is like it, it's sort of cohesive in a way that um, often you know a lot of his other uh, albums. I, I haven't felt, you know, we're necessarily as, as centered around a single theme or um, that we're sort of stylistically even that consistent. I mean, one of the things that I love about Lifted is the fact that you have so many different styles sort of represented, right? You've got this sort of um, eerie, sort of melancholy uh, lover I don't have to love, but then you've got like a, you know, kind of um, punchier, upbeat, like Bowl of Oranges uh, folk song. Um, and, you know, that we're sort of all over the map, but again, you know what he, what he's showing off is that this guy has chops in every genre. Um, and the, the, uh, an interesting comparison, I think, right now is somebody like Alex G, um, who, you know, for the most part, it, like you will have a run of four songs on an album that I then think, wait, this is all by the same guy, um, you know. And and I think that for young, prolific really supremely talented songwriters, this is sort of a process of finding yourself um, and, and figuring out, you know, w- what kind of music you really you, you want to make and stick to. And, and the people who do end up putting out albums like this, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, which, which you know, obviously is very political um, in, its, uh, in its, you know, sort of admonition of, of the Bush administration. Um, but I, I think, uh, but I think a really sort of clear-headed um and and tightly wound, you know, uh, as you said, sort of folk protest record. 
And then you have, you know, I think just beautiful slice of life songs like Lua and, yep. uh, you know, uh, Train Underwater. Commentary Train Underwater, on, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. I mean, it, it yeah. all it all ties back, though. Or, I mean, it, for First the most day of part. My it, life. Uh, that's actually, I think, that's maybe my favorite song by him. Um, so. It's, well, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, it's. Um, you know, I, the hardest, the most difficult thing as a writer, I think, is to, and I think this was reflected in the conversation that Jason Isbell and, and George Saunders had that we were all fans of, that it's really to get, to be very sentimental, to be very um, honest and earnest and skate around every cliche possible. And I think Connor Oberst did that on this album. I think it's a great, great album. That said, I don't get as excited about bright eyes as i do you know some a band like spoon just because the music doesn't take me in the same way well i think we're ready to vote um why don't you guys go and i will uh right. spoon bright eyes oh shit <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go bright eyes as well wow and wow. uh yeah I, you know what i love ga 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 but i i the more i talked about bright eyes I don't know. I think it's a it's a great record. And, it uh, is. It's another it's one where I mean, I'm I, I'm happy to lose. Th- um, there's not a single record that we've included in our list of 64 that I didn't want to see go forward. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the cool part about doing this. Um, is is that really? I mean, I feel that everything is so qualified. Um, you know, there's there's such a wealth of uh, talent represented here. Mm. So there is no Rhode Island. In this particular <laughs> tournament, yeah, there's no Syracuse. Um, yeah. So the next next one is um, speaking of prolific young uh, oh, yeah. prodigies, uh, we've got who avoid well, actually, cliches. We've got two of them. Uh, number yeah. three, the Libertines up the bracket, and number fourteen, Car Seat Headrest, Teens of Denial. So um, I got to say, the Doherty um, Will Toledo showdown uh, for songwriting chops at a young age is a pretty good one, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, so, I think I, I know think, which uh, way you're probably leaning. I, I I think I am as well. But I mean, you know, we've. I'll just say, uh, in in sort of on behalf of you know, or for for car seat headrests case here um i still think it's the best album of 2016 it's locking in the top spot for me and not having my opinion change at all over the course of two years uh is harder to do than one might think um you know my top album in december of the year that i'm you know referencing uh will often often change over time i still go back to it all the time i i love it um and i think he captures a a a real sort of 23-year-old angst that, like, that just everybody kind of experiences, you know? Well, he universalizes in the same way that Connor Oberst does. It's, um, and again, without the cliches, um, and, and, you know, like I said, I, I admire that as, as a writer, about a writer, uh, as much as anything, and songwriting is, is a lot more difficult than it seems, given the, uh, limitations of, of what you, or, you know, the limitations of the, the word count, for lack of a better term. But then again, I think the Libertines, Up the Bracket, is an album that just ignited me. Kicks you in me. the eye and kicks you in the balls in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, I just, 
that I put this album on still, and it still gets me revved up. I love this album so much. The interplay between the two singers, the you know, um, they do from you know for me what X did for me years and years ago, which is this point counterpoint kind of thing where and it where sometimes they're building on each other, sometimes they're fighting with each other, and it just it's a combustible combination that. Um, I don't know. It's the the Libertines are the are remarkable. Car seat headrest is a great album, but to me, the Libertines yeah. up the bracket is is a all time all timer. Yep, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I think it's a it's a pretty incredible record. Produced by Mick Jones of the Clash. I uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and cast my vote for up the bracket. Love Car seat headrest. Love that album, but. Sorry to see you maybe, go. Maybe in a few more years. Yeah, yeah, but up the bracket as a sin. Then keep an eye on up the bracket as we get in, in the final four territory because it's, it's somebody's yeah, lobby. I feel, I feel that strongly about it. You never seen a light. You're walking like an arrow in the rain. But I've never seen you dance, and I've never heard you sing. So how can it mean a single thing? This is a rudimentary. You're talking like you're handy in the fight. Relatively, uh, relatively light on English music across the board, I should say. Yeah. So Libertines are really torchbearers. Yep. I mean, there is, uh, you know, I, I would say the 90s belong to the Brits and the 2000s belong to, uh, to uh, Americans in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, that said, uh, we've got Amer- an American versus Canadian showdown next, and that is... Number seven, the white stripes is white blood cells, versus number ten, the new pornographer's mass romantic. And I can, if you told me in two thousand five that the white stripes white blood cells would be a seven seed, I would have been floored. I would have thought it would have been a number one overall seed. And then um, really excited for the next ten years of music. <laughs> yeah, but it's still. I mean, I really thought, uh, I, and I do think. I think it's a. It's a classic. I mean, this is, you know, we were talking about Elephant um, earlier and Seven Nation Army and how indelible that is. But, but White Stripes, White Blood Cells, you know, if you were a fan of music back then, and, and you know, I was. I, I had the first White Stripes album when it came out. Jer saw them. I think you saw them at Emo's and I saw Austin. them in between, yeah. And Liberty I Lunch literally, or something. 
remember seeing this band and turning to the guy who talked me into going. It was like one of those, you know, Wednesday nights where you're, you don't even feel like going out. On and, the fence, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and paying six bucks to see the White Stripes and, you know, just turning to him and being like, what are they doing? Are they playing, like, all covers? Like, what is this? Like, it was so just blew my, you know, blew me out of my, my socks. It was so good. And, then, um, and they were playing a lot of songs off this album because this album was just about to be released. And it was, you know, it was a, you know, so, by design, stripped down. The uniform was there. The iconography was in place. Everything about it, you know, was put together. I remember seeing them for the first time and, you know, being really excited to see them, but also not thinking I was in for the show I was about to get. I mean, Jack White, you know, I think is up there, you know, with any performer, um, and you know, on this list, and as a, a frontman and, and a stage presence, I mean, that guy is commanding, and a great musician, and I think going to go down, um, you know, in the historical rock canon um, as someone who has made a mark. I, you know, I think um, some of these are, are favorites of ours. This guy is canonical, I think, and it's not too early to say that. So, anyway, the White Stripes, White Blood Cells versus the New Pornographers, Mass Romantic, um, our Canadian supergroup that we referenced earlier. I love Mass Romantic. I loved it when it came out. I was a great uh, proselytizer on behalf of this band because I couldn't believe somebody was putting out power pop that was as consistent and fun and sugary and you know, but also not, uh, you know, candy overdose. It was, um, it's just a really great sound. And, and you get Nico Case and Dan Behar and, and, uh, um, Carl Newman singing, you know, trading off songs. And it really, there's no lulls in it. There's none of that, like, oh, I really want to hear the AC Newman songs, or I really want to hear the ones where Nico Case is, is, you know, up in the mix and, and you really there's also you know, no slow songs on that album it's nope. a it's and a really good. peppy upbeat album yeah, yeah. it's a it was a you know it was an infusion of energy and I, it was extremely welcome still is I go back and listen to, I mean if you can write you know a pop gem titled My Slow Descent Into Alcoholism um, and you know, keep people humming along with it. You've done something. I love, I love these guys. I loved Carl Newman's uh, solo output. I like everything these guys have ever done. And it's almost a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a devil's bargain where because they've been so consistent and everything is so good. Um, you know, maybe one album doesn't you know rise so far a, a, above the others. Um, even last year's Whiteout Conditions. Uh, I loved so another band that might be damned by consistency. Well, you know it's funny. I think this this album really does stand out for me. Um, I, I think uh, Twin Cinema Twin Cinema was my my first um, sort of intro. Um, but Mass Romantic is is uh, you know it's a perfect power pop record, um, and you know I, I think uh, it it strikes all of the right sort of stylistic. Um, points and and uh, with you know a sort of super super hook heavy, um, you know crunchy and sort of upbeat um, 
uh, driving rhythms. But but yeah, I mean, ultimately, there's the sort of like sweetness of a lot of their lyrics, um, and uh, you know, and then also just the the sort of sentimentalized and and emotional aspect of their lyrics, which you know, I think um, is the inevitable product of having three at least really good um you know really good independent songwriters yeah um working for you so uh no i mean i I think it's pretty outstanding white stripes i you know it's it's hard to i just can't argue against white blood cells it's too hard yeah so um then this yeah this is the album that launched them into sort of stratospheric uh, popularity and notoriety, and I'm casting my vote for white blood cells. Same, Christian. Yeah, so it's a sweep. I, uh, I too, it's my favorite album by them. So, yeah, that's the that's the toughest unanimous call we've had. I think. Um, last of the round of sixty four, number two Ka- seed, number two seed, Kanye West, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Versus Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap, a 15 seed. So this is a really interesting matchup to me because they are, um, you know, I, I, I think in some respects, uh, if, you'd, if you'd seen the college dropout um, match up against Acid Rap, it would be a much more sort of parallel or analogous yeah exactly i mean it's it's you are you're witnessing somebody at the height of their celebrity at the height of their musical powers in in a fully formed career um you know he's had so many runs at this versus a guy who's literally putting his first mixtape out there so um i mean you know not to say that that uh chance was was inexperienced at rapping but he was inexperienced at being chance the rapper on that kind of stage in front of the, those kind of people. Um, that said, like, you know, he's, he's locked in on, on a, on a musicality and sort of a, 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 a size, uh, a, a robustness of like his sound now, um, which I think has fully come out in coloring book, uh, which, you know, frankly kind of reminds me of, of, um, uh, you know, Kanye's inclusion of church music and in, in a lot of his early albums. So, um, I'm, I, Look, I love Chance, and I love Acid Rap, um, but, yeah, you know, you you are fucking with the new king, so. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> this established him, I think, you know, after uh, uh, several albums that are, you know, relative, that are, that were gaining in, in ambition, um... 808s this, and Heartbreak and Yeezus, which were, like, so proggy and out there, uh... I mean, I still think that this is proggy, but... But Dark Twisted Fantasy is all in. All chips to the middle of the table. Yeah. I'm going to make my masterpiece. It's a bold statement, I felt like. And, uh, I mean, Christian, you turned me on to Acid Rap. I think it's a really interesting... I think it's a great record, actually. It's well-deserving I'm on this list. But um, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is just that. You know, it's... Absolutely, like it's a, a concept. What, what kind of demons do you that, have? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's a fucking dark. <laughs> well, let me show and, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It's. I mean, it's so. It just sort of like pushes you back into your chair, and you know, then forty-five or fifty minutes later, you're sort of like, oh, all right, he's got some shit to say. Yeah, it's funny because everything else he had put out up to to that point had been. 
I mean, obviously, I think the, and yeah, this is embarrassing, but I think it was um, 808 and Heartbreak was a predecessor to this, correct? Wasn't it one before? It was 2008, yeah. Yeah, and then there's this, and then Jesus was later, And then right? Jesus was 2013. Yeah, yeah. and, then, uh, and Watch the Thrones and Pablo. Um, but this was the one, to me, that was like, I mean, uh, 808 notwithstanding, which was an outlier of an album, but those, you know, uh, college dropout, late registration, graduation, were all sort of of a piece, and then this was the, um, I don't know, this was the one that... that where I, again, it just this was, was the therapy session. No, this I, was just I, guns a blazing though. I just don't. I think it was like even musically, like those those ones kind of you know have bits and pieces of this and that. This was a you know this it wasn't a concept yeah, album. I don't believe, it, but it was a it was a it was a f- full blown effort to show everything he could do as a producer and an artist at the same time in it. And, and, it and as a, I, I would take it a step forward and I say, I think that part of this is him grappling with his fame and, you know, trying to, I mean, he was more confident taking big risks than he ever had been. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there's this sort of weird, you know, um, look, you take, you take huge risks, you misbehave as a normal person in, in you know, in life and, and people get pissed at you. You do it as him, and you just you, your your image, your wealth. I mean, it, it, all of it just swells uncontrollably. Um, and you know, you're on the you're on the front pages, and and you are a source of controversy personally. And like, I mean, you know, we know more now about that's not always been easy for him. Um, but I, I think that this is pouring a lot of that. Um, into uh, in, into an album, so yeah, and I don't think you could ever recapture this. I think right age, right place, right level. You know, I mean, this was a guy who was who was you know born to be behind the glass. Massive. He was he was, he was a you know he was a producer. That's but what he, he was five in, years earlier. In terms of calling, you know, in terms of you know what became of his celebrity, I don't think he. I think he's still extremely talented. I think age and overexposure are are um, curtailing his ability to make a, a great statement artistically um, right now. Um, whereas this was the perfect moment, and he dropped it, and it and it and it completely connected. Well, I think we're all in agreement on this one, right? Yeah, I think we are. So Kanye. Kanye See, moving forward. Can we get much higher? So high. Oh. 
fantasize about this back in Chicago. Mercy, mercy me, that mercy will I go. That's me, the first year that I blow. How you say broken Spanish, me no I blow. Me drown sorrow in that Diablo. Me found bravery in my bravado. DJs need to listen to the models. You ain't got no fucking Yeezy in your Serato. Stupid, but what the hell do I know? I'm just a shot town nigga with a nice flow. And my chick in that new Phoebe Philo. So much head, I woke up to Sleepy Hollow. Can we get much higher? Anyway, that's the, that is the uh, round of 64 wrapping up. And we have a lot of really, really difficult decisions to make in the round of 32. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking gonna... at it right now. This is, this is going to be awful. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to... All right, well, uh, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Why do we I'll do see, this to ourselves? I'll see, I'll see you, you next week. 32. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.